All right. So tonight, what we're going to be talking about is going to be called All That Glitters Is Not Gold. All That Glitters Is Not Gold. And uh, I know why the Lord led me to this particular thing. It has a lot to do with him and I, something that he wanted me to share with the group and tell everyone. And, you know, for those who may be online listening in tonight that we've got to really, thank you, bro. We, we got to really understand what God's treasure is and what God desires for his people, because I think in many ways we can really have it twisted and backwards concerning what God's richness is, what his treasures are, what's coming from the heart of God, what does he want us to actually do with him. And what I am finding more than anything, and I know some people may probably say, man, you didn't know that. But sometimes you can be so busy for the Lord that you can really miss out on spending time with him. Sometimes God has so much that he wants to share with us. There's things that he wants to do with us. And, you know, there's a lot he intends to do through us. But if we don't give him that time that is necessary, then he can't perform in us what he needs to. And that's why when you look at Acts 9, it was really interesting how Paul, you know, one at that point was an unbeliever and the Lord reveals himself to him, Paul gets knocked off the donkey. You know, he's slightly, well, he's blinded, but he couldn't eat or do anything for three days. And, you know, in that helpless state, the Lord sent him into town where he was able to meet one of the Lord's, um, you know, disciples. And this man was able to pray for him, to have him, the spirit pour on him and for the scales to be moved from his eyes. But, you know, the funny thing is we think that, because we have Jesus, the scales have been removed, but I'm here to tell you that those scales are gonna to continue to be removed until Christ is formed in you. There's a big difference between studying your Bible and then just looking in your Bible for sermons. You see, there, there's a big difference there because there's a level of intimacy that God wants. You know, There's a level of intimacy that's in his word that he wants you to dive into. That's why you can read over a scripture three or four times and not see two words in there that God intends to, you know, um, reveal to us, you know, the meaning of such things. We can go over scripture and talk about what things mean, but man, when God has you chew on his word, when he gets you soaked in the word, then you begin to pull out all of the nutrients, all of the hydration, everything that you need in the spirit concerning God's word. And, you know, he had to really slow me up this week. You know, he had to really show me, hey, I know what you're doing is, is you know, it's okay, but I need more from you. And, and at that point, he began to show me what, you know, these treasures are. And I think he and I, we're going to go on a journey together and he's going to show me even more. And I'm looking forward to it. But it was a very humbling experience because we should never be so excited for the things that we think that we're doing for the Lord. We should always have an open ear and an open heart and mind to be able to have the Lord lead us into those treasures because you don't just get it all in one shot. It's a pleasure to walk with the Lord. It's a pleasure to read his word. There's always something new. God keeps the relationship fresh and he wants it to be that way with us because it's amazing when we go out there and pray for people and you say, hey, do you need prayer? Or you ask them, do they know Jesus? They'll say yes. And then when you say, hey, do you need prayer? They'll say, well, I know the Lord. You know, I pray enough, so I'm okay. You know, I, I got to tell you, 
we should never get to the end of our rope with the Lord, where we think we know him so much that we don't have to pray before him. We've got enough prayer going on in our lives. You can never have too much of Jesus because Christ in us, after all, is the hope of glory. So tonight, what we're going to be talking about is, you know, what are the treasures of Jesus Christ? What are the, what's the glory in having a relationship with Christ? Because, you know, I know that we get, we like a lot of people out there and personalities and things and what they do for the Lord may be great, but you want to know what he has for you. You want to know what he wants to do in you. We're even going to hear um, a few clips tonight of a, a minister the Lord revealed to me. I was looking for for a long time, and I think his ministry goes back to maybe the 80s or something, but his name is Ian Thomas, but he's a very good teacher. And, you know, I learned a lot just from listening to him. Sometimes the Lord will even take you to other ministers because he's trying to show you more things. But we must understand what God's treasure is. I know that, you know, we may, if we were asked, what are God's treasures? Would you prefer his wisdom? or Would you prefer all the riches of this world? Now, I know with our mouths, in many cases, we may say, well, yeah, of course, the wisdom of Jesus. But have you been presented yet with all the riches of this world? You see? so. We've got to really be searched out in him to understand what the treasure is. We've got to have our hearts cling to the things that are of God. And I'm not talking about do it like a religious ritual. Things like that bind you. But when you're doing it because you see the glory in it, you see the great treasure that it is to be with God and to do what God says. That's the only time when your heart is truly pricked that you will serve the Lord and do what he says. Outside of that, it's just religious works. And I'm not saying what we do is religious, but I'm just saying that there's so much more to it than that. There's so much more than being with God and having him lead you and, and just, you know, guiding you through ministry. But, you know, I, I've said enough, but you guys get the point. All that glitters is not gold. There's so many things in life that we think are treasures. There's so many accomplishments that we do in this life. But if you knew in many ways how useless they were, even though they may have some purpose, they're not the treasure and they shouldn't be the treasure of our lives. They shouldn't be the things that we go after more than anything. Your true treasure is in Christ. And from there, it spills out into a relationship between husband and wife, parents and children, how you are in the workplace and what you do. The Lord has showed me so much this week about his wisdom, his perfect timing, how when I rest in him, I don't even have to try to talk to a soul. The Lord makes it available. The Lord will send me out there, you know, like uh, someone may try and, you know, pick me up from work and say, hey, do you need a lift to go somewhere? And I'll say, no, I'm okay, you know, or whatever. And I'll get down to a bus stop and another person will come by that's unsaved, that's asking if you need a lift. And then this isn't hitchhiking. This is somebody I work with. But even if it wasn't, you know, there may be a chance that the Lord may be trying to use that opportunity to minister. And it's so funny that when that happens, it always comes up. And, you know, it's teaching me to get out of myself, get out of my plan and get into his because the Lord brings people to you in many cases that are ready to receive the gospel. All you've got to do is fire away. God makes evangelizing so much easier than we can possibly imagine. But are we too busy for the Lord? Do we have schedules that are too much in hearing God? Those are the things that need to be eradicated from our lives 
so we can truly seek the treasure that is in Jesus Christ. All right, so let's pray and let's get into this. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we come before you with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. And we just ask, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time with my brothers and sisters. Lord, how you have kept them in good health, how you have kept them in perfect peace, Lord. And for those that are struggling, I pray in Jesus' name that you bring a peace unto them, Lord, that you pour your spirit upon them, that you get them into stronger relationship with you. And I just pray, Lord, tonight that no man's heart be heard. Lord, it's so important that we hear from you. It's so important that you teach us your word. So we invite the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you come today, that you talk to the heart and mind, that you set the captives free, that you break the bands of wickedness and all the cares, Lord, that are in this life. And I just pray, Lord, that you watch over those who haven't been here, Lord. You watch over the brothers and sisters that are out there. Lord, please watch over ministries that are struggling, that might need certain types of things, Lord. I just pray that you open up to them and that you provide for them and that you give them. And Lord, I pray for greater obedience with us, Lord. I also pray that you teach us more and more how to love our neighbor, but to love you first and foremost. There is no substitute, Lord, for a relationship with you. There is no substitute, Lord, for hearing your voice. There is no substitute for us to go in line with the call that you have set before us. And I just pray, Lord, that you put your treasures in our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we seek you with a fervent desire like no other time in history. And I pray in Jesus' name that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, confusion, spirits of jealousy, malice, and hatred, spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief, Lord, idolatrous spirits, antichrist spirits, Jezebel spirits, spirits of sickness and disease in Jesus' name. I pray that you bind in this very moment, that you focus your people on the attention of your words, Lord, that they may seek life and not death. So we just pray, Lord, that all these things be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's get started. I want to go to, um, let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter three, and let's look at verse 13. As we talk about the treasures of God, that everything that glitters is not gold. You know, another word that the Lord has also been speaking to me this week is authenticity. That's been coming up a lot in my prayer. And, you know, I think that what he's trying to show us is too that anybody can talk a good game, but we've got to get to the place of truly being what we call ourselves. And it's not through our willpower, it's through time spent with Jesus Christ. You know, because there are times, and hey, I'm gonna tell on myself tonight as long as the spirit allows me to, but there are times when there may be things that happen, you know, on the streets and encounters and groups and things, and you may preach the gospel to someone, you pray for them, you know, you may see something happen, maybe not, but you know, we gotta be realistic that. We want what God gave his disciples, what he gave the apostles. Uh, you know, there are times I can find myself exaggerating because of the point where you want something so desperate to happen. You know, you lead the person to Christ, but then there's a part of you too that 
you know, I felt when I was praying, like spirits were lifting up, you know, maybe they were, maybe they weren't. But the thing is, is we got to be real. You know, you know, when you're dry, you know, when you don't have the power, you know, when you're not seeking God as you should. And this is not just faith based. Of course, it's in faith. You know, we can do nothing without it. But why don't we seek what God really has for us, man, so we can stop wheeling cripples in and wheeling them out again, knowing that nothing happened. I'm not trying to be funny, but we've got to be realistic in our walk if we want to see God move. We can't act like our jar is full, like things are really taking place and they're not. Lord, I want what you have. I want all of what you have. I want to be as you say. There are times my mouth obeys you, and then there are times I'm just in the world. I don't understand it myself. Be honest with the Lord if we really want to bear his image. Why? Because when we're in need, he says that if you confess your sins, that our God is faithful and just to forgive us of these sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I asked the Lord this week, was there any idolatry in my heart? Why did I ask that if I didn't want the answer? He showed me in so many ways, yes, you do, on levels that you can't possibly imagine. So what is he doing? He's starting to peel those things back. He's making me aware of them. It gives me more reason to pray and to rely upon God. God had to pull Jacob's hip out of the socket so that Jacob would recognize that God was his crutch. We've got to get to that place in knowing when we're desolate so that we can seek the Lord and get all of the treasures and not just the things that we think that glitter. Yes, Sarah. I think that you said a while back that I believe it's really true. The Holy Spirit said this is that the Lord told you to make sure that your ministry was transparent. And I believe that to be true because you know, unsaved people in this world or people who are even struggling with their faith are always watching what we do as a Christian. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I believe that when we get saved, we want everything to be hunky-dory, fine, no problems, and that's just not that's not reality. If anything, things may actually get worse. Because now you see mm -hmm. the sinful life that you were living, not to mention, now we get on Satan's radar. Now mm -hmm. our faith is going to be tested. Mm -hmm. So we got to be real in front of people who are not saved, saying, this is what I went through, this is and he showed me so many things this week about obedience that, man, I just want to share with brothers and sisters what he has been revealing because he's given me permission. But do you realize that if your mouth is set for foolishness, that that disobedience to the Lord can even cause your mouth to not proclaim the things that God wants you to? You see, there was a lot going on with Jesus that the Lord is showing me that his total obedience to his father, submitting his body wholly to the father is what gave him the power to do all that the father did because he was in subjection to him. If we're ever gonna walk in God's power to do the things that he calls and God's got to govern places in our lives that when a thing is proclaimed, that mouth is in line with God. Those ears are in line with God. That heart is in line with God, that he can work with us. Because if we're not connected in that way, then what happens is God would like to use your mouth, but you know, it's still filthy. You're still involved in things that got nothing to do with him. So, you know, he's just teaching me some stuff and hopefully we'll get some of it out tonight. So Proverbs 3, uh, 13 and verse 13. 
Oh, it's three and 13, sorry. Thank you. That's what happens when you talk too much. Three and 13, it says, happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. So what's interesting here is, do we believe this? You know, do we really believe that having God's wisdom is more important than these things? Again, the word that the Lord's been pushing to me is authenticity. Now, we know how we feel when we hear God's word and we read it and it makes us feel good. But do we really believe that it's more precious than silver and gold? I think spiritually, yes, but fleshly, no. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say... Spiritually, I think that's what we want, but the flesh has got to be killed off to make that authentic. And I would say to you, I think mentally, yes, and physically, no. The reason is, is because when you come into spirit with God, then your thoughts will be like his, you know, then you'll, you'll be connected to him. I think mental ascension is another issue that we can have sometimes, you know, and, and I hate that even about myself at times where, you know, you, you paint a picture bigger than what it actually is. But you know what that is? That's part of the flesh that wants to stay alive. We've got to serve the Lord in all humiliation to wait on his words and the things that he wants. You know why? Because the flesh doesn't like it. And what the flesh doesn't like, it will eventually die out too. But we've got to learn to give it to him. So, man, he says for the merchandise of it is better uh, than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. So we must understand here that this is speaking of, in many ways, the Holy Spirit. And this is also speaking of God's wisdom as a wife. There are other verse, verses where it talks about having wisdom wrapped around our necks and around our hearts, that we're supposed to be bundled in it. We're supposed to desire this more than anything. And, and one thing I've learned about God's wisdom is it can play into any situation at any time. A lot of us have knowledge, and the Lord is showing me, Derek, you got a lot of knowledge of my word. You know, there's a lot that I've shared with you, but you know what you're lacking is wisdom. Because wisdom tells you how to deal with a situation. Wisdom gives you the instruction and how to do and deal with the knowledge that you have. Guys, don't feel bad for me tonight. I'm telling on myself, and you know what? I feel good because you know what? If I want to be like Christ, we've got to be real with who we are because evil and darkness hides in certain places that doesn't want that getting out. Let the Lord search you out. Let him x-ray every little part of you so that what's not in you that's wrong or what's in you that's wrong can be taken out. So he says in 16, length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Here's another thing that the Lord's been revealing, too, as far as God's wisdom and peace. They do go hand in hand. When we rack our brains over things to try and figure out how we're going to deal with the matter, that's not the Lord. And you see, there should be a discipline that comes from us where we begin to seek him before we even think about deciding on if I should or if I shouldn't, just wait on the Lord. I don't care if deadlines have to be met. Well, you know what? I haven't had an answer yet. 
So I'll get back to you when I do. But that's fair. Why? Because obedience is what pleases the Lord. That's what allows God to say, okay, you're really ready about this. You haven't made a move. So now that I know that you're an obedient child, I can use you. But I'm telling you, when you start hearing God's voice, when you start seeking his face, there ain't no substitute for that. When God can say two words to you, and if your heart is ready, guess what? You're down there for more. You're trying to get into prayer, Lord, what else have you got for me? What else do you want to hear? Because the, the voice of God is so real. You know, it's in such a place where you know that it wasn't you. You know that it wasn't your thoughts and it wasn't your imagination that God and I have drawn close. And there is a peace around that because what you don't know, he does. So this is what the devil may try and take from us, but we've got to learn, man, Lord, if you don't have the answer, then there's no answer for this situation. Trust in the Lord and become obedient even unto hearing his voice. I don't care what you're dealing with at work. I don't care what's going on at home. If you seek him, that treasure that is in hearing the voice of God and having his wisdom will solve every problem in your life. Amen. Why don't we come to God with, an, with a question? Sometimes he don't give you the answer because he knows that you already have it. He knows that whether he answers you or not, you're gonna go and do what you wanna do. How many times have we asked God, is somebody for me? And God won't give you the answer. And you'll say, I believe, you know, that he, you know, he, yeah, that sounds like God to me. Yeah, anything will sound like God to you if you really want to do what you want, you know? You can't be your own God. God's got to be your God. All right, let's, let's go on. I want to go to another spot. Let's go to Proverbs 2 and let's look at verse 1. Proverbs 2 and 1, right next door. Pastor David Wilkerson said that you want to hear the voice of the Lord, you're praying, Lord, let me hear your voice. He's like, don't ever pray that unless you want to hear the truth. Absolutely, because he can cut you deep, man. And I mean, I was just like a piece of bread rolling around in dough, man. Like, I was, man, Lord, that can't be nothing. You know, he says, hey, man, you can wrestle with it all day. I gave you an answer. Proverbs 2, look at verse 1. He says, my son, if thou will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding. Uh, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and, listed, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her, that's God's understanding. What brings you understanding? Wisdom. If thou seekest her, as silver and searcheth for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Man, this is so true because if we seek after God and understand what his treasures are, you will have more fear of God. You know why? You've got more revelation. You know that God's just not an idea anymore. God is real to the place where, hey, I can hear his voice. Yeah, bro. Yeah, to add to that, it says first and foremost, the beginning of all knowledge is the fear of God. Amen. And understanding, wisdom and understanding. You're right. And you know, I, I'm learning this that 
I'm starting to feel like Paul, man. I thought I knew a lot of things. And then I find out I'm one of the dumbest people that ever lived, you know? And that's the way God wants you at times so that you can rely upon him. I'm not even trying to be funny. There's a lot, exactly. There's a lot of things I thought I understood. And the Lord is showing me, man, you might've looked at it, but I'm taking you for a tour this time, you know, so that we can get what's in the house, you know, what's going on there. Thank you, Jesus. So then he says in verse six, for the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. So, you know, along with that wisdom, I realize that you even have God's protection. As we talked about trying to speak to people, every time I pick somebody that I think wants to hear the gospel and that they might receive Christ, I'm always wrong. But, you know, the Lord will, will send you to the people that you don't even think will receive it. And he will. And when Jesus tells us, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, it really is if you give it to him. But you try and compete with him, you try and perform for him, you try and do the things that you want to do in it, you're going to find yourself frustrated because no one can walk this thing out but Christ. We've got to learn to be like true vessels. That cup just sits in your cabinet until it's time to be used, okay? And when you use that cup, it doesn't say, I prefer soda and not coffee today. That cup is available to who's holding it, and it's going to it's going to be used as the holder sees fit, whatever they want to do with it. We've got to get to that place of obedience. I mean, you would think I would know that by now, but, you know, we can have our definition of what obedience is, and we can have God's definition. In many cases, our definition of obedience is, I heard and I just obey, but I obey when it's convenient for me. I obey when it's before other people. I obey when I know there's someone there to hold me accountable. But do you obey even when no one's around? That's the truth in the whole matter. Last night, we did a teaching, or it was two nights ago, actually, Sunday night, there was a teaching on uh, our righteousness is filthy rags. This is so true when Jesus tells them that when you fast, don't let your left hand know. I mean, you know, man, wash your face. Stop trying to look like you're out of it so somebody can ask what's wrong with you so you can get the glory in yourself and tell them you're fasting. I realize when there is no appeasement for the flesh, then we truly can serve God authentically. You know, when you go to your prayer closet and you pray with a fervent desire and no one knows about that, when you pray before others, it's no big deal. But when you're faking it, when you know you don't pray, when you know you don't even read your Bible when God's not around, what happens is, man, there's just no truth really coming off of you. You know what Jesus calls that? A hypocrite. You know what the word hypocrite is? A play actor. That's someone that wants to perform for other people. And you see this all the time in religious settings. How y'all doing today? Praise the Lord. Everybody praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And then they get right out and they're not even doing the things that God is telling them. But you see, we can get to the place of play acting that we can't even be real. Yeah. God can't do anything with an actor. When Jesus said these things and they were recorded and all of his, you know, apostles and, and prophets, man, they were speaking the truth. They were speaking what they believed. They were not trying to show people that they were intelligent. 
Everybody wants to be a prophet today, but the funny thing is that was the most dangerous job in the world if you were gonna be one for God. Almost everyone he picked to be a prophet did not want to be one, and they gave God countless excuses of why they couldn't be, and God said, well, I've chosen my man. You're gonna be a prophet. And you see, they began to speak for God. He cleaned them up, and, and you know, he was, they were his mouthpiece, but they were obedient to the call. You see, when you're really out there on the front lines, you can't fake it. You're either going to have it or you won't. But what we've got to do is neither one of us, none of us here have it, but Jesus Christ does. So we've got to draw close to him. You don't want to glitter. You want to be fine gold. And you're only going to have fine gold when the spirit of God is walking in us and working through us. If he's the one that holds all things together, who are we to go off? and do our own thing. You see, <laughs> I mean, hey, this is what God is trying to show us tonight, you know? And I'm not gonna paint pictures of this because this is important, you know? I'm not gonna try and soft soak this message. Obedience. I mean, who here likes disobedient children? Raise your hand. You all like children that obey. It's a pleasant thing to be around a child that wants to obey you by nature. They're few and far between, but they're out there, you know? But, you know, it's just like, I can't even get mad at the kids that I work with at times because when I look at them, I see a lot of myself. I see a lot of things there where, you know, how many times does God have to tell us to do a thing before we actually do it? How many times does he have to spank our butt and warn us over and again and again to obey him? So you see, these kids are helping me to understand him, but we're not going to obey the Lord until we give it to him and become authentic. We first got to repent of the things we're doing and then walk in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. A lot of us have felt remorse for our sins, but how many of us have actually repented? You see, you can only repent when you recognize that God is your treasure. When God's your treasure, you can turn away from the trash you were doing because you recognize there's nothing to it. But when you seek God and you desire to walk with him and stay with him, it's because you have truly repented. You have turned it over to him. You recognize, Lord, I've done so many things in my life and I just messed it up. But as long as you've got plan B aside from God, you can never repent. Repentance is like, you know, being off in the water somewhere, drowning, okay? And there is no boat in sight. You know, maybe just one that comes along and that's that chance that you can't afford to say, well, yeah, if you want to help me out, you can. But if not, I've got plan B. You know, you're out in the Pacific Ocean, okay? And it's overcast and it's raining and no one sees you out there. So when that boat comes by, you recognize, I don't want to be in the water anymore. I tried to swim and I realized I can't. I need help. Because remorse only tells you, remorse is kind of like what Judas did. Judas felt sorry, but he never repented. He repented himself. That word in the um, Greek is like remorseful. I repent myself. Okay, I feel bad for what I did, but not enough to give it to God and have him work through me. Judas had remorse. Remorse comes from the soul. Remorse usually comes when you feel bad for something you've done, but that's not repentance. Again, that's right, hmm? though. Like, and, I feel bad, but I'm not going to say sorry. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, or you can feel bad about it, but you're not turning to who can make it right. You know, that's the other thing. So that's a great point, because a lot of us feel bad for the things we've done, 
but we're not willing to do what it takes to make it right. You've got to turn away from your sin to walk with God. Not just turn away, you know, get rid of it, man. Be miles away from it. Not even be in reach of it or to do what you want to do. You've got to do that in order to walk with God. Because as long as you still think, all right, I'm an alcoholic, but I'm just going to keep a little fifth of liquor in my drawer just in case I can't follow God. That's no faith in God. You've got to get to the place of trusting him to say, you know what? I'm going to do away with this. So God knows what a repentant heart is because a repentant heart is one that does not want to do what he's done. He truly sees it. Like Sam mentioned one time in a teaching we did, he, he gave an example of godly sorrow. And it was what Peter felt when he disobeyed the Lord. True godly sorrow coming into the presence of God with your sin will enable you to not want to do those things again. You truly mean it. It's not a thing of, man, I feel bad, but I can just ask for forgiveness. That's not a repentant heart. A repentant heart does not want to hurt God. A repentant heart has been made aware of who God is, and you realize that you can't go without him. You've got to step past that. You've got to trust him. And this is the only way we're going to find our Lord as a treasure. Yes, sir. I think also one of the hardest things for us to do is, and this is why everyone's got to be, myself included, very, you know, uh, wise concerning this is that sometimes we truly believe we're hearing from the Lord. Mm -hmm. So we go out and we do what we think he wants us to do. Mm -hmm. Come to find out, we didn't hear from him at all. Mm -hmm. And it can take months sometimes for us to even realize that. And to admit that is humbling. So there's the pride of, well, do I tell the truth, make it right with the Lord? Mm -hmm. Or do I hold on to this pride and, you know, have people possibly say stuff about me or whatever? And I think that's hard for people to do at times. It's just like come off of that pride where it's like, hey, man, make it right with the Lord. Who cares what everyone else thinks? It's about what the Lord thinks. But sometimes it's hard for people to do that, you know, because let's say they get a good following from what they thought was the voice of the Lord. Yeah. Come to find out it wasn't, you know, they don't want to come off of that pride and tell their congregation I was wrong. That's what's so awesome about God's wisdom and how, you know, when you read Romans 5, it talks about patience and experience and all these different things. These things are treasures of the Lord, because I remember one day, I think we were out there talking to some guy and he struggled with alcoholism. You know me, I like to run my big bell, you know, acting like I know stuff, you know, so I went and talked to the guy and everything like that. And the guy was, you know, he was relaying to me, he was understanding about Jesus, but Sarah was able to touch him in a way that I couldn't because she had experience and she had patience. She she struggled with alcohol in her life. So her and this guy were actually talking about something and she'd been set free from it. They were talking on levels that I didn't even quite understand. Like they were talking about there's a fear and being set free from it. And there's other things. And I'm sitting there like this fear and going away from alcohol. You see, I was ignorant to it, but you see, there was a way that she was able to touch him and her and this guy, been, you know, they were able to talk. I think it was the night that we went out with the chili. But the thing is, is that you want God to be able to give you wisdom and how to deal with things when you let him set you free from the things that we're doing. You know, there is great wisdom that we have in, in repenting and turning to God and allowing him to liberate us because he teaches us how to liberate others. 
That's what this whole thing is about. It's about a connection with the Lord because as we want to perform for him, God is like, oh, here's what the Lord is going to tell me. They'll tell you, never make a promise to God, okay? Because you're going to fail. God needs is your commitment before him. Don't make, don't make, you know, commitments to God and promises with your lips that you're not going to do something that you that you used to do because it's going to frustrate you. What you've got to do is spend time with who can take things from you and become like him. God's thing is not for us to just obey laws. God's goal is to make us righteous. And the only way we're going to be righteous is if we become partakers of his word, being in his spirit, spending time with God that we can be full. Now, this doesn't mean don't obey what God's word says. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the solution to the problem and why we can't is because in many cases, we disconnect from the Lord. You've got to spend time in his presence, time with him, do away with those things that are unrighteous and be with God so that we can be like him. But you see, when you make promises to God, I, I think I have broken every promise that God ever gave me. I mean, that I ever told him I would not do because on one level or another, I couldn't see the future ahead. I didn't know how bad my situation was. So this is not a thing of just willpower and saying what you won't do. You can be doing it every day and be unaware of it. So you've got to let God move these things out of you, you know, but it's all about trusting him with everything. He's got to be that treasure that we want to be before. And I've realized the more we grow with God, it's not just that you recognize the treasure, but he becomes even more valuable because you become more needy. And because you see him and you know him, you become more dependent on him. Lord, I didn't know you could do that. Well, Lord, let's do it again. You know, Lord, when do you want to do it? But you got to get to that place of not knowing everything that you think God can do. I'm talking about letting him show you all that he can do in you if you spend time with him. It says it in the word uh, somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It says it's better for you not to make promises with God because then you don't keep them. It's true. It's true. You will you will feel bad about what you've done. And then you'll begin to think God can't can't help me in this, but it ain't God. It's you. You make these ridiculous, you know, ideas that you want to give him. God's not asking you to give him anything. God is telling you, spend time with me. You know, be with him and let him work through you. But see, we come up, that's that's the flesh. When we come up with these ideas, Lord, I got the perfect idea for you and I. And the Lord will tell you, trash it, okay? Because you can't come up with any ideas. You've got to trust me and what needs to be done. So I want to play a quick clip of this uh, guy, Ian Thomas. I would recommend that you guys listen to him. And we'll get right into this lesson, but... And this is a very powerful sermon that I want you to hear of this guy. Good teacher. I love how we can never get too far from God's. No matter how far we get, we love how we can come right back into it. Absolutely. You know, and God is merciful. And, you know, the one of the scary things about God is he knows your heart. You know, so if you're saying, Lord, I just want to spend more time with you and be with you. The Lord has asked me many times in prayer, are you saying this because it's how you feel or you know it's the thing that you need to say before me? See, God knows, man, when you're performing, 
you, we got to get past that and just give it to him. But there are many times I'm, Lord, I, I want your power and I want to walk with you and I want to serve you. See, God knows when you mean it, man. When you really mean it is when you become to the, you've come to the end of yourself. Words mean nothing to God unless you mean it from the heart. That's why he says, when you seek me, you will find me. When, when you seek God with all your heart. Yes, Christina. Um, God has hurt my heart previously um, about praying prayers that aren't super like from my heart. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to say very repetitious, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, from night to night mm -hmm. about the same things. Mm -hmm. It's not, I'm not saying he didn't want me to keep praying on certain things, but if you don't want to have the same conversation with God every single night, <laughs> the same exact words, how boring is that? He really wants to actually hear from you mm -hmm. and you know, talk it out with him mm -hmm. and it to not be repetitive. Mm -hmm. That's just hard. Yeah, not a routine. Exactly. A mm -hmm. That's what we were talking about Sunday, you know, and what it says in Matthew 6, repetitive prayer. You know, when you give repetitive prayer, then you think God is either a genie or he's deaf. That you got to keep, you know, reminding him night after night. I promise you, God has got it in control. But he'll ask you at times, is there anybody else that you can pray for besides yourself? Is there a need for any other thing other than what you're thinking of? He knows what you need before you even ask. Praise the Lord. So let's hear this clip of, uh, it's on evangelism. And this is by uh, Major Ian Thomas. I mean, it sounds like it's kind of, I'm thinking I should turn it down a little bit. Or bouncing off, okay. Let me know and try to turn it down a bit. All right, let's see if this works. But it's the music that's the problem. Yeah. You know as well as I do that this is the basis of our redemption. This is the basis of our justification by faith. Justified. God looks at me just as if I never died. Because he looked on him just as if he committed all my sins. The work and the life that the Lord Jesus Christ lived 1900 years ago to do for you and for me today. You may never just have thought of it this way. The life he lived 1900 years ago condemns us as soundly as the Lord said. And if Jesus Christ had been born on that first Christmas day only to live that matchless life, and go straight back to the Father from whom he'd come, he would have left us only doubly condemned by the law and by his life. 
then why did you live a life like that? That can only condemn us now. The answer is very simple. The life he lived qualified him for the death he died. God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He suffered the just for the unjust to bring us to God. He was delivered for our offense. He was raised again for our justification. The Bible leaves us in absolutely no doubt whatever. He was wounded for our transgression and he was bruised for our iniquity. And it was the life that he lived that could only condemn that qualified him for the death that he died that can be Now, that's familiar territory, isn't it? But that isn't the gospel. That is part of the gospel. That is the threshold of the gospel. But now I'll ask you this question. Given that you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Redeemer, who died for you historically 1900 years ago, once and for all, by this one sacrifice for sins forever, to reconcile you to a holy God, would you tell me this? Does the knowledge that your sins are forgiven for his dear sake in itself equip you for a life of God life? Would this rich assurance of your eternal destiny and security in itself impart to you any new capacity to live a different kind of life from the life that you lived before you were redeemed? I'm going to submit to you tonight that the knowledge that your sins are forgiven adds absolutely nothing to your spiritual capacity to be a different kind of person. It may create within you quite legitimately a holy ambition to be different. Out of a sense of gratitude and love and a sense of duty to the one who died for you because of an emotional attachment and a sentimental regard and a deep sense of loyalty, you will want to be different. But the knowledge that he died for you and your sins are forgiven because he died for you in itself does not impart to you any new spiritual caliber of living. And if all that Jesus Christ did when he came to this world 1900 years ago was to live that sinless life, to qualify you for that redeeming death, and then go straight back to heaven and simply wait till you got there, that wouldn't be much of a salvation. It would be a salvation that made you fit for heaven and left you hopelessly inadequate for that. Yet all too often, this is the gospel that is preached. Come to Jesus and have your sins forgiven. Now roll up your sleeves and show him how you love him. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be, as a continuing process, saved by his life. So we have to add a second statement. The first is, the life that he lived qualified him for the death that he died. But here is the second. The death that he died qualifies you to receive the life that he lived. That's the genius of the gospel. This is what puts God in. The life that he lived qualified him for the death that he died. But the death that he died qualifies you as a forgiven, redeemed, and acquitted on a holy basis to become the recipient again, now in the present tense, of the life that he lived then, 1900 years ago. So we discover that the life that he lived then can only condemn. But isn't it true? It's the life that he lives now in you that saves you. And the Christian life is the life that he lived 
because he is the only person capable of living that kind of life. This is the good news of the gospel. Now you think you're going to see the point of it. You tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And as a result of the life I live, which qualifies me for the death I have already died, you now are going to be qualified to receive by my indwelling Holy Spirit the very life I live. So that the things that I did, you will do and greater works than me. Because you are going to be added to my new corporate body on earth and the life that I have lived clothed with the sinless humanity that my father fashioned for me in the womb of Mary. This new body my father is going to present to me. I've been being with you. I'm going to be in. You will receive power from on high. And the power that you will receive from on high will be nothing less than my presence. I will come to you and live in you. You know as well as I do that the Acts of the Apostles is the continuation of what Jesus began to do. The only difference was that he now did it in terms of that redeemed humanity that having been reconciled to God was now inhabited by God. And the first ripened golden ear of was 120 grains strong. As on that first day of Pentecost, 120 men and women received no body less than Christ himself. As he presenced himself within them through the eternal spirit. As the Father for 33 years had presenced himself in the Son for 33 years. Now you can see what a wonderfully rich gospel it is we have to bring. You never invite anybody to come just for it, forget it. You never invite anybody to come to Jesus just to get to heaven. There's only one valid reason why you and I should ever invite any man, woman, boy, or girl to come to the Lord Jesus, and that is for the Lord Jesus. That he himself might step into their humanity and fill them with himself, so that their bodies might become temples of the living God, so that they might literally baptize by the Holy Spirit into his body, they might become living members individually of his corporate body in general. And that is why you see every genuinely spiritual church is an evangelizing entity. For the Lord Jesus is the one who came to seek and to save that which is lost and given right away in any individual member, however humble, however young. He will be about his ancient business in through every single living every member of that body. The total church evangelizing a lost world. Jesus Christ in action. Jesus Christ in business. My invitation to you tonight is to die. 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 That the latent lordship of his hidden life, Christ, living in him, be released for living word. This is evangelism. Amen. Amen. That's what we need, real preachers like that, because, you know, he made it clear that Jesus Christ is the treasure. But how many of us, you know, have gone to places where we've seen everything celebrated but Jesus? We've got to understand, man, that's the good news is that Christ can live in us and work through us today. 
that's the reward is that we be endowed or endued with power from on high when we sit before the Lord that Jesus Christ may get the glory. Now, I'm beginning to understand more and more what the Bible means when it comes to our lives glorifying Christ. I know most people think that that means, you know, don't lie, don't fornicate, don't do this and that. But how about Christ living in you and working through you in 2019? You see, that's the glory of God. And Paul even says he comes not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but that, you know, he comes with the demonstration of the spirit and with power. Why? So that our faith will not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is what's capping off Christians in many cases and keeping us from having the very treasure that God put down in our vessels to understand that Christ is a true treasure, that not he's just not walking with us. We don't just have a prayer language. We just haven't been baptized in the spirit. But what John mentioned in Matthew 3 is that we would have the spirit and with fire. That fire is important. That power in Christ is important. That process of total depth to self and sanctification in Christ is important. But unless we recognize that Jesus Christ is that true treasure, and this is part of your inheritance as a Christian, we will never die out to self to allow Jesus Christ to come forward. There has to be a life for a life, but you've got to understand that one life is worthless and the other is the true treasure. They may come together. We may be the vessel. We do have value in that sense but it is not what we should be unless Christ is in us and walking in us and doing what he did before. That is the inheritance of every Christian. Hey, Brother Sam, can you? You know, that is, um, that's the inheritance of every Christian. Now, I know that we're told, well, you know, you got to be called to it. And you got, hey, man, we're all called to manifest Christ because those are the only people that are going back to heaven of those that have Christ in them. If that's the promise that he gave to 120 men and women, okay, it wasn't just the disciples there or the apostles. There were 120 men and women waiting up in that room. You know what they all had in common? They could not go back to the lives that they lived because they were known as followers of Christ. And what happened? The Roman soldiers at that time were looking for them. Matthew couldn't go back to being a tax collector. Peter couldn't go back to being a fisherman. These guys were at the end of their rope when Jesus Christ breathed upon them. We've got to be new vessels that want to house the new wine. That is the treasure because everything outside of that is all that glitters, but it's not pure gold. We need the real gold, which is in Christ, that that's the only thing that's going to stand. Now we might, you know, like gold, we know that gold is not naturally yellow. You know, usually when gold is yellow, there's lots of impurities in us. Some of us can be yellow gold, but then when we go through the process of having that gold purified, which is the treasure of Christ, then we should be able to look into that gold. When you see gold is pure, it looks like like almost like a mirror, like real shiny that you can see your reflection in it. And that's how you know it's pure. But when Christ looks at us, when we've been purified, he's not looking to see your reflection. He's looking to see himself. So as you can see, this gold needs to be purified. This gold has to have impurities taken out of it and become refined so that when Christ looks at you and I, he sees himself because everything outside of that is not the treasure of God. 
It's more ideas of men. It's children in the wilderness that don't want to make it into the promise. I'm not pushing anybody off a cliff. I'm talking about recognizing that everything that glitters is not gold. The purest and the only true gold is in Christ. But we've got to seek his wisdom. We've got to seek his face. We've got to spend more time with him than we do religious things because that's the only thing that's going to stand. When he says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. That's not you standing, that's Christ. Jesus Christ, we did that teaching over two years ago about the armor of God. And when you look at every single piece, it signified Jesus Christ. Every single piece, even at the end, he's the word of God, you know, the breastplate of righteousness. I mean, you know, the crown that's upon his head. Everything, when you look at it, the shield of faith, these things all symbolize Christ. And the only one that's gonna walk in that armor is putting Christ on, that's all it is. Now, I'm gonna show you guys something real quick before we move on. Let's go to Proverbs 21 and look at verse 20. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Just, um, I mean, just the simplicity of it is that if we just were forgiven, we would still go to hell. Mm -hmm. That's what it's saying. Well, yeah, I mean, you'd be forgiven, but you know, one thing I'm learning about Greek words and Hebrew words is when you're forgiven, or you ask to be forgiven, it's because you intend to do right, not to play around again. I mean, you know, Greek words and Hebrew words are action words. When you believe, you believe. You know, if you believe, there's gonna be some evidence that you believe. It won't just be lip service. Jesus says, there are many that profess me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So what God wants is your heart. Yeah, bro. But if Jesus just came just to give us, get us forgiven, mm -hmm. he would just, be waiting for us now too. That's what he said. Right? Mm -hmm. And he's right. Mm -hmm. right. Because if we're just forgiven, we would still go to hell because Jesus didn't come just to forgive us. He mm -hmm. gave to forgive us and That's also right. show us how to live from there on. That's right. A life redeemed and ran. Amen. And Amen. Yeah. So we're not just forgiven. He's also, you know, he's continuing to work in us to the day. That's I'm right. Coming. Another thing I want to point out in the video that I noticed was he mentioned a second baptism. Mm -hmm and being immersed in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And John and Matthew mentions it. Uh, it's in Matthew, but John mentions it. Mm -hmm. um, John the Baptist, and he says, I baptize you with water, but the one that comes after you baptize you with spirit the Holy and Ghost fire. And with fire. Amen. And there is a second baptism, and there's a lot of, there's, there's Christians that haven't received that second baptism, mm -hmm. that, that, that have lived a long time, that still haven't received, and they've just received the water baptism. Mm -hmm. The baptism of John. Mm -hmm. but there's a Jesus baptism, like this guy was just talking about, where the Holy Spirit right. guides you and leads you in your life. You're a newborn That's baby. Right. That's right. You know, it's 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 like almost like, and, and just to put a twist on what he said, it's like basically having a baby and then just expecting it to to grow to grow on its own, just leaving it and saying it will learn everything that it needs to learn. Just let, just letting it out for the wilderness, mm -hmm. like letting it out, like just just to figure it out on itself, mm -hmm. like just leaving it to to to, to the um, just leaving it to chance, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and and in that same way, that would be Jesus just dying on the cross. Exactly. That would, that's what that would be. Mm -hmm. But the Holy Spirit is that mentor right. that holds our hand, mm -hmm. that raises us that's like right. children. Because without him, we, you know, we would be in another snare that's right. of the devil. I mean, you guys understand how much the devil has 
plans for us that they're gonna tag us but absolutely we, we walk like we don't see them you know like you've mm-hmm. seen that movie like some movies are just dumb i love dumb movies where it's like somebody had a bad plan for somebody they you know went to punch them and then they duck and then they punch the wall or, oh, yeah, you yeah. know that's the devil mm-hmm. against us all no long, pretty much it's know? true he's going for an yeah. elbow and the weak duck and he elbows himself or you yeah. know just and it says it's even people that go have plans against you, mm-hmm. that plan will actually work out against them. It'll exactly. turn full circle. Oh, yeah. And it's just how, like, it's like the Holy Spirit is like, it's fully, it's protecting us. And we're like, you know, we're, we're just, we're in a huge cushion and we're totally protected by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And those are just two points that he made mm-hmm. that, that, that was just like, no, and it's great that everybody got something. Yeah, Christina. Um, when you were talking about um, the gold and pure gold, um, isn't gold refined by fire? Yeah. So heat, yeah. Heat. So mm-hmm. that made me think of like you know God puts us through all these afflictions and persecutions to refine us, um, and that's the fire, the pressure of that mm-hmm. um, spiritually, but also through that the fire is the Holy Spirit, and mm-hmm. through that pressure. The Holy Spirit is teaching us and guiding us mm-hmm. um, through those times, you know, Amen. as a born again believer, how to have Christ inside of us. Amen. It's all in that fire. This is this is a great point because the fire purifies and the fire gives power, but that fire is also a light that is meant to do what? Put a reflection on Jesus Christ or or, or turn everybody to him. Yeah. So you see, we need that fire, but a lot of us, you know, a lot of people believe that the end of their Christian experience is like Sam mentioned, they're just, I accept Jesus Christ, I'm forgiven. Man, there's so much more to it than that. You know, those guys who stopped in the wilderness, that's what they thought. And he said, like a baby, you're expecting it to grow without nurturing. But remember what the five wise virgins did, they took oil in their laps, they believed, you know, they didn't let that relationship go stale. But the five foolish thought, man, get to that at any time. So you see, we've got to be wise. And, you know, it's just a great point that we've got to nurture Christ. Paul says, I travail with you in birth again until Christ be formed in you. He wasn't kidding. Jesus Christ, the very spirit that walked in him can walk in you and I. Why would you want to sell yourself short of that? But a lot of people do. A lot of people really believe, oh, man, I'm a Christian. I don't need to worry about that. Or they'll tell you that's your calling. Why do you want to sell yourself short? Is it Jesus you really want? That's why he's got to be your treasure. Because if he's your treasure, you want as much of him as you can possibly get. But when you're into just worrying about just being saved, man, that's only part of this, man. The other part is that you may get full and save others. Big difference between relationship and religion. Big difference between knowing about Christ, hearing about Christ, thanking him for what he did and having him walking in you and living in you. That's the treasure. And we should all desire this. We should all want this. But we'll never get there until we actually believe where my treasure is, is where my heart will be. But we still think Jesus is playing. We think, you said where your treasure is, there will our heart be. But I'll give you part of my heart. And I believe that you and I are still going to be, hey, this is a relationship thing. Every day or every month, every year, you're going to get stronger with him. The more time you spend with him, it might be 60 world or 80 world, 20 Jesus. But then there's going to come a point where it's 50-50. Then it's going to come a point where it's 80-20. Then it's going to be all of Jesus. And he's going to direct every part of your life. But this comes from taking your walk with your Lord to the part where He, the Lord will say, 
Oh, there's no need for me to walk with you. I may as well get inside of you and get a job done. That's the glory. God will look at you and see him and say, this is the perfect vessel that I can work through and use. So I don't have to guide him and lead him anymore. I could just step into him and get a job done. I know some people would say, man, really, dude? Yeah, really. You know, every time we run into our brother, Henry Groover, and it's so funny, I mean, because he's a frail man. He's probably like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, and I mean, he looks like he's just so weak. But man, when that man speaks, you know that the presence of God is in that room, that you can't just, and it's not glorifying the man, it's Christ that's in the man that we're glorying in, the works that he does. But we can all have the potential to walk with Jesus, but we've got to understand he is that treasure. Everything outside of that, man, it's glitter. It'll hang out for a bit. It'll look good for a while. It'll give great sermons and messages, but man, you gotta get full because you gotta be called to more works than just talking about Jesus. You've got to demonstrate Christ. That's what the gospel backs. That's what this thing is about. It's about being full. It's about Christ doing the work, not you and yourself. Amen. Yeah. Proverbs 21, uh, let's look at verse 20. And look at this, Proverbs 21 and 20. He says, there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. These are people that have taken their relationship for granted. You see, even the five wise and five foolish can be in this. You don't want to spend it up. You don't want to just have an experience with Jesus. Oh, you know, now he's giving me this, so I'm good. You've got to stay connected to the true vine if we're going to bear fruit. Those fruit will only grow when he becomes everything, okay? Because you know what the works of the flesh are. And there's 17 of them. And the number 17, we don't have time to get into it tonight, is a number for self-preservation. So you see, when we're invested in self, we can't give it to Christ. All right, so I want to go to one scripture real quick, and then we're going to um, hear another message. Let's go to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, and let's look at verse 44. Yeah, it's crazy what Christina was saying about the fire. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, I don't know where it is in the word, but it's just like uh, at the end, you'll, all of our works will go through a refiner's fire. And what's, what's true and what's pure will actually be shown. Yeah. It's like we, we can let him do that now, mm -hmm. or it's just going to end up happening there. Amen. Yeah. And, it's, and you'll never really be, that's true. And you'll never really be satisfied. I mean, you'll walk with the Lord. You'll be happy to be with him. But you'll never be satisfied until you get everything that he wants you to have. This is all about God's plan. This ain't us. You know, we can look at what, we, what we're what we happy with. God wants you to make your journey. He wants you to inherit everything he set out for you. And let's trust him. Matthew 13, let's look at verse 44. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field of the which when a man hath found, he hideth and for joy thereof uh, goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. So as you can see, this is all about a life for a life. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, man, in a field. And when you find it, man, there's no... Um, I like this part of the field and I like this, so I'm not really sure. No, when you understand what the treasure is that is in Christ, 
Man, when you find that, you're not even looking at anything else. Pastor Price said one time, and this is so true, because we love to be invested in people and things in the world. And, you know, I can't serve the Lord because of family and I got this and I got that going on. But Pastor Price made a point that when the Lord does come back to take those that are with him, he said, there's nobody into people like that. He said, there's going to come a point when the Lord is calling, you're going to be looking towards the light. You're not going to hear your cousin or somebody tell my hey, tell him about me. You're going to be so happy that the Lord is there. You're going to walk as he's calling you, okay? Because this is what you've been longing for. See, everything seems important until we stand before God. Didn't you see how quickly your problems go away? You see how you begin to think about, you know what? Jesus is everything. Because I could be now talking about, man, I need a job. I got this. Nobody loves me. I mean, you know, even if you're a drunk and you're singing that song, I guarantee you when you stand before Jesus, everything will be made new. Okay, but you don't want to wait till then. You want to get right with the Lord now, because just the very thought of having to see our creator sobers you up from every problem that you got. I mean, I could say, well, thank God judgment day here yet. Yeah, I know I don't have anything to eat right now. And, you know, I got enemies everywhere. But thank God for his grace that he's given me a chance to draw closer to him. That's the treasure, man. It's in Christ. Let's look at verse 54. Or 52. I believe that's where it is. Yes, he says, uh, then said he unto them, therefore every scribe, and am I in the right place? Let me look at that real quick. Uh, yes, verse 52. He says, uh, therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder that bringeth forth out of his treasure uh, these um, um, things new and old. So when you see what God wants for you, you want to get rid of all these things that are old. That's why he says, if any man be in Christ, if we read the Bible slowly, we'll get an understanding. If any man be in Christ, not any man interested in Jesus, not any man that you know knows about Jesus, if any man be in Christ. What does that mean? If you're in Christ, then where is he? He's in you, okay? So this is where the Lord makes his abode. He said he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. So we've got to be in Christ. It's not just a thing of I give my life to Jesus. That's a great start, but we've got a journey to walk with the King of Kings. And when we recognize he's that treasure, he's going to pour unto us. He's going to live in us. God loves obedient children. It's just like he wants to be a waiter, but you're sitting in a restaurant trying to, you know, order and cook and serve your own food. How can he wait on you then? You've got everything you need. It makes it so easy for the Lord to serve us and to lead us and give us what he wants if we just let him do his job but we've got a lot of ideas of our own. I wanna do my thing. Lord, I'll give you this, but I got a better idea and how we're gonna work it out. Hey, if it didn't come from Christ, trash it, okay? Because it's got nothing to do with the journey. Only the good shepherd knows where he's taking his sheep, but we've got to trust him as that treasure to give us what we need. Second Corinthians four, 
Thank you, Lord. Oh, it's kind of warm in here, huh? Yeah. I'm like, man, is that Holy Ghost fire or am I just burning up my bill up in here? Yeah. Well, you know how you start to look through fire and you see like the things like the wavy lines. I'm like looking in here, man. Like, did I get it? Yeah. All right. And you know what I love that Ian Thomas said was too that we've got to die. We don't want to. The old man doesn't want to. Adam don't want to die. But Adam's not going to have a choice if he's going to walk with Christ. We don't realize how evil Adam was. I think that's part of it, too, because we only hear one story. But you see, the very nature that we're born with is against God. After Adam sinned, we became a carbon copy of Adam. You know that we like to seek things on our own ourselves. We've got to get rid of Adam. And that's why I can't stand humanism when people are pushing up, you know, I'm a good person. And if God don't like me, I don't know what to tell him. Who says that you're good? That comes out of your mouth. That's your interpretation. Why don't we go through your past and let's ask everybody you know if this is true. But see, God, you don't even have to do that. God brings you to yourself because he wants you to seek the true treasure. We are not good. There is no good in man aside from Christ. Yeah, Christina. Also, I made me think of my past life. Even if I thought I was good, which I wasn't, no, I wasn't. No. Um, my human nature was to try and act like I was good or pretend I was good or make myself look good mm-hmm. uh, by doing good works. But even the devil takes care of his children, you know? Uh, so just recognize, and I know for a fact, there's probably been, probably everyone at one point or another has either lied or done something, um, unless you're born again, you know, mm-hmm. that done something to cover up to make yourself look good to others around mm-hmm. you. And you're absolutely right. And that's why it's important we be real with the Lord, because there's some people lying that don't even know they're lying. When you get to a state like that, you become callous. Lies and truth are absolutely the same to you. That's a that's a terrible situation to be in. So, man, you'll never shock God with what we got to tell him. He already one knew you were going to do it. He knew you were a rotten sinner from birth. and He's trying to give you the solution, which is in Christ. We got to be real with him. When you talk about I'm tired of being good, who told you that you were good? But you see, this is what we think. All right, so this is 2 Corinthians 4. Let's look at verse 1. He says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. You see that? There are hidden things of, of dishonesty within us that need to go. And then he says, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. This is another thing the Lord has been showing me about myself is, you know, we don't think that we walk in craftiness, but let the Lord put some fine light on your daily activities. When you come in and ask people how their weekend was, knowing you don't care. You know, asking, I'll pray for your family. Knowing they're not even going to be thought of half a second after you walk away from them. This is These are things that people do. These are things that I have done in my life. I was telling, you know, because it sounds good. I'll pray for you. And when I get down on my knees, all I'm talking about is me. So how can I pray for someone else? But this is how real we've got to keep it in God, giving out compliments like loose change when really you don't mean that stuff. 
you know, guys telling women they're beautiful and they're like, you know, this and that. But what are you really looking for? You see what I'm saying? And, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with giving a compliment, but we've got to be real with the intents of the heart. That's what the word of God cuts around to get out of us the things that are crafty and the things that are, you know, dishonest, you know, handling the word of God deceitfully. You know how many times I've done this in my life? I don't know. I must feel good tonight about talking about my, my shortcomings. Praise the Lord. But you see, there are times I may not like something I know somebody is doing, and I'll go to the word of God to preach it, not for the person to feel good. This has happened to me, man. Hey, I'm telling on myself, but just to let them know that they're doing wrong. You know what that is? That's evil. Okay? And, and these are things that and you can say, I'm quoting the word of God. But yeah, is your intent to save the person or is your intent to make them feel worse than they already were? God knows the heart. I don't mind telling on myself, hey, man, unless we give it fully over to Christ, this is nothing but glitter. OK, but I want pure gold. Yes, sir. I think also sometimes and I've been guilty of this. So I want to throw myself into the spiritual books that we get into a world of white lies. So a world of white lies so we can kind of cushion the delivery. Mm -hmm. And even when the Lord says, I want you to be direct, if you can be direct with that person, because that's what they, they don't need. I mean, white lie is lying anyways. Mm -hmm. you know, what's, the, what's the word mm -hmm. say about liars? But uh, it's just something that we think that we can do. And it's just, you know, sometimes if we do that, mm -hmm. it kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? It takes the guilt away almost. And it's like, we don't, Lying is lying, regardless if it's a white lie or a big lie. It's always a lie. The Lord doesn't see the difference between the two. Yeah, you're so right. The Lord and I had such a week this week, man, where, you know, he was pulling out some things that are in me. And just when you think he's done, he's leading you to the other closet to pull up even more stuff. You think your room's clean? He'll lift up the carpet. There's a couch under there. You know, I mean, he's got some stuff that he's trying to pull out because this is what he wants to do. Clean us up. So he says, now handling the word of God deceitfully, he says, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. You see that? We've got to get clean. Look at verse three. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world which is Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So there's a lot of people that are in darkness, but have we sought that treasure that is going to bring light, which is Christ? He's the only one who could preach the gospel because he's the one who can back up everything he said. Look at verse five, for we preach not ourselves. You see that? but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your servants for Christ's sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So as you can see, that word of God, he wants the light to shine out of darkness. Why? He wants to show us our ways. He wants to show you in our hearts. Peter said that, you know, that the, the spirit of God or, or Christ, I believe it's the day star he mentioned that, that shined in his heart, how Peter became a new person. Can you believe all that time they walked with Jesus? They might have loved him, but, you know, they weren't fully 
disconnected from the world. They walked with Christ, you know, and they believed much of what he said. But until Acts, the second chapter, Peter couldn't truly be what God wanted him to be. None of them could. Jesus said they would all scatter and run. Why? Even though they heard of the treasure, even though they believed on him, even though they had forsaken a lot, but the day star had not risen in their hearts, which is Christ. Christ has got to have your heart as his throne if we're going to do what he calls us to. You've got to feel it like him. You've got to see it like him. You've got to desire it like him. And you've got to love your neighbor as he loves you. That's important because if your heart's not right, you can throw away all the brain, all the knowledge, all the things that you think you know. Those things don't move you to God. It's a heart-to-heart connection with the Lord that he can get you to do what he wants. Why? Because you see it the same way. You feel it like he feels it. And that's what draws you closer to him. I'm not saying we would ever fully have the heart of God, but we can have that part that allows him to follow us. You know what God feels is greater than us. God's love is immeasurable. But if we can draw close to him, we, he will share his heart with us. Our sister Marge, who was one of our elders in the ministry, you know, before we stopped having um, things at the Troutdale house, she said that one day she was on her knees praying and the Lord told Marge he wanted to show her his heart. And she said it be- her chest began to expand so much so that it became like the pain in her chest became unbearable. Now, some people may say maybe it's a heart attack. No, it's not that. Her chest began to expand and all that could flow out of her eyes were tears. And she was like, Lord, you know, it it took her a little bit to recover, but she said she couldn't believe how much pain the heart of the father feels for you and I, what we do to him on the regular. I'm not saying it's going to control him. I'm saying what he actually feels when we don't obey, what he feels when we walk with the enemy what he feels when we backslide or when we won't give it to him, even for the rotten sinner who blasphemes him, you know, even for the homosexual, they won't come to him. God's heart feels amazing hurt because he didn't make them that way. His wish is that his people would come to him. So you see, when we have a heart connection with the Lord, David Wilkerson said the same thing. He mentioned that, you know, true ministry comes out of, um, what do you call it? Intimacy with God. He says before Times Square Church was formed, he wasn't looking for a church. He was he was feeling God's pain when he was on Times Square, seeing people doped up, drugged up, man, can't get out of this situation. He said God shared his heart with him. And from there, David Wilkerson knew that there was a call to ministry to do what was done. You've got to feel what God feels. That's why he told Hosea to go and marry a harlot. Okay, so that way you'll have an understanding of how Israel does me. You cannot speak for God unless you feel what God feels, unless you think like him. Because if not, we're going to have the double heart and the double mind. You've got to feel God. You've got to be intimate with him to recognize that treasure to obey him. Outside of that, let's look at verse seven. He's, did anyone have anything? Okay, yeah. So I definitely just feel the Holy Spirit when I say that. Um, this week when I was at Vegas, like it was really hard on me to sell all there is is sit everywhere around. And it like broke my heart to see that just just people so far from God. And uh, 
I actually listened to some David Wilkinson. I've never listened to him before this weekend. Yeah, I love and David Wilkinson. I just remember him saying, like, when I was just looking around and seeing everything, just, uh, you know, this was you once. You know, this was you singing it. How your heart feels right now mm-hmm. is how I felt for you. Mm-hmm. And when you were going through that, and to have, and I still love these kids, and mm-hmm. how much I want to see them know me as well. Mm-hmm. And see, if we don't have that anguish that God shares his heart with you for your neighbor, you'll never move. And even if you do, it'll be cold as ice. It'll be more about your accomplishments than seeking that fine goal. Look at verse uh, seven. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You see how when we come to the end of our works, that when we die out to self, that treasure, that vessel can break open. When you mine and you dig and you start to see like little lines of little sprinkles of gold, man, you've got to dig deeper. You've got to get as much of God as you can. This treasure has to be digged out. And it's not because God wants you to work hard for it. God knows that the vessel with all the filth on top of it and the flesh is keeping that treasure from shining. So you've got to mine and dig. And you know what I've learned too? That when you are patient in receiving something, when you really do go through, you have a greater appreciation for that thing than you do if it were just given to you. You know, when you've got to work for something, it's a lot more important to you than when you when it was just handed over. You know, that's another thing these kids are teaching me. Look at verse eight. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. So you see how the treasure that is in Christ is really the answer to every problem we have. You know why? Because your eyes are fastened on him. How did the devil get Adam and Eve to fall? He took them away from the treasure that was in God on the inside of them and told them that they could be as gods, turning them unto themselves. And when they did that, they lost that treasure that God gave. Look at verse uh, 10. He says, always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Christ's sake, or Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, uh, death worketh in us, but life in you. So you see, we've got to go through the process, guys. Anything that the flesh doesn't like, I suggest that you do. And I'm only being upfront. When you don't like to pray, pray through. When you don't like to read your Bible, spend time reading. When you give the flesh, you know, um, a reason to want to die out is when you give everything to God. When you spend time in the spirit, you will forsake the lust of the flesh. And I realize the flesh is not patient. That's one thing we know about flesh. If you ignore flesh, flesh will leave you alone. Flesh will die out. Yes, it takes time. But I do realize that flesh doesn't have patience. God has patience. But if you, you know, don't, if you forsake the relationship with the Lord or you don't spend time with that treasure, what will happen to us is the flesh will start to come back. Many of us have gotten places with God that we have never been before, but we've also allowed the flesh to come back. 
And we must understand that this is a battle between the spirit and the flesh. Your flesh does not like Jesus. And you know what? Your flesh will never like Jesus. Your flesh wants to glitter, but God wants pure gold. You've got to deny the flesh. I realized this week, playing basketball with the kids, I think I lost every game. And I'm like, man, what's happening to me? And the Lord is like, I'm teaching you humility. I'm going to throw your shot off and I'm going to have that kid laughing at you and saying these things. You know what? You need to know what it is to lose. You need to lose more. You need to be more humble. You know, you need to encourage these kids to get better at what they do and stop trying to beat them in every single game. You know, God has a way of doing this because the flesh wants to be gloried, but God wants to take that spotlight off of you because it never had, it never was about you. But anyway, he says, um, verse 13, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So you see how belief is an action word? When we believe, we will do things about it. Our mouths are not good enough. Because I mean, as Christians today, man, we talk a good game. But have we really seen the fire-breathing dragon? Have we really seen what the devil can do for real? Sometimes God will give you manifestations of this because God wants you to rely on him. Another thing happened this week and I wanna pray for, but I believe that a succubus, well, ain't no believe, I saw him, okay, or her, tried to attack me in my sleep, okay? It was trying to like pin me down and other things like that. And I remember, you know, I'm praying and I'm like, Lord, what's going on? So when I woke up, it hovered over my bed and it vanished. And you know what the Lord was showing me? Because I know religious people will say, see, you're probably not living righteous. You know what? When you're living righteous, God promises you that he's going to take you through those giants. When you draw closer in spirit, you are going to have spiritual encounters. But I'm just telling you that God did that to tell me, you need more prayer with me before bed. No more now I lay me down to sleep. You pray during the day and you're ready to hop in bed. Hey, you've got to take me wherever you go. And that is even to sleep, you know, but praise the Lord. The enemy would love to attack you while you're sleeping. Exactly. You know, and the devil waits for that little opening to do certain things to you. But, you know, the Lord delivered me. So let's look at uh, verse 14. I believe that's where I am. Okay, verse 14, he says, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. So it's always about Jesus, 16, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perished, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I guarantee you, if you walk with Christ, remember what he said? If any man come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Why? Because you glitter, but Christ is pure gold. Jesus Christ is only gonna lead you and I only to one place if we are truly following him, and that is to the cross. He's got to crucify Adam that he can shine forth. And in some ways, it's kind of like, you know, I want to say this right, like disobedient and obedient dogs. 
You ever notice a disobedient dog thinks he's happy because he's running around, he's in the kitchen, he's on your couch, he's in your bed, he's running around with no guidance. Exactly. He thinks he's happy, but he's not. You know, he's just anxious and no one ever showed him any discipline. But do you ever realize how obedient a happy dog is? Now you can say dog rug, he goes to the rug. He eats when you bring out food and you tell him to eat, but he has no, <laughs> what am I going to eat? Hey, when dinner time comes, master will let me know. And you know what? That puts a lot of peace around a dog. I'm not comparing us to dogs. I'm just making the point. The dog has already settled it. What my master wants me to do, I will do. And you know what? That puts a peace around us when we give it to him. But if we won't allow that outward man to die, we're always going to have this frustration and Lord, I want it now. And the Lord says in time. Yeah, I know it's in time, but I want it now. And when we talk about, you know, God um, answers us speedily, God's timing is not ours. We think speedily means he's going to give you an answer the moment you ask. No, some things take time. God's timing is not on yours. But when you give it to him and you say, Lord, I know you're going to answer and I know you're going to do then that puts a peace around you because you know that you're walking with the true treasure. The only thing that matters, which is Christ. Yes, Sarah. A truly obedient and trained dog is never nervous or anxious because they trust their master. Yeah, absolutely. You ever seen a dog barking at another dog that's not paying him any attention? One dog, is, hur, 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 you know, and they're trying to hold him. And the other dog is looking up at his master like, I don't know who this is, but I don't even care. Yeah, he's at peace. I'm civilized. You're a beast, you know, but you see the difference between the two. Yeah. Obedience to God puts us in line with him. Yeah, yeah Christina. Um, I was actually reading uh, Dave, or Nick Wiggles' work documentary, and he said he actually observed, he was at a park, and he was observing this owner with their dog, mm-hmm. and he um, asked, like, the owner asked the dog, and kindly with a low voice like three times to come and it wouldn't come before it finally like sternly like demanded him to come and mm-hmm. it came mm-hmm. and that's when he like learned sometimes you know when you deliver the gospel you have to do it with authority mm-hmm. um, versus using those uh, sugar-coated messages mm-hmm. that don't reach the heart which I thought was interesting but then when you were talking about this I also thought um, you know um, not blame people to, to dogs but it's the beast of the air you know it's you know, mm-hmm. things that are under the authority of the creation mm-hmm. of God, the mm-hmm. Father, but um, they kind of have, and demons, these are kind of that same nature mm-hmm. that will have to respect God. Absolutely, story. because the only thing the devil fears is brute force. He only fears Holy Ghost power. Mm-hmm. Some people say, I can quote scripture at the devil and he'll flee. If God's authority is in it, absolutely. But you see, when, when the devil uh, met Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus quoted scripture. And the devil drew closer and tried to entice him to even more. So you've got to be full of Christ because you know how many unsaved people are preaching the gospel, not even born again, don't even know Christ. And there's nothing going on. You know, you got to walk in his authority, but your own witness against you can occur sometimes when we're not walking with him. When you spend time with Jesus, you ever notice the authority you do feel because you feel like you're one with him. This is not even something you can think about. This is something that actually occurs because you know that you're with him. But you know when you ain't been around God, spending time, ain't been in prayer or anything, how are you gonna claim his authority? 
You even feel like while you're saying it, I hope the Lord comes through. But when you walk with him, you can proclaim it because he's with you. That which is bound on earth will be bound in heaven when you are walking with the Lord. Yeah, brother Sam, you want to make a point? You just have so much peace. Demons trying to knock you out of your sleep, out of your peace that you have with God. That's what they do. You know, it's so funny. Whatever message is preached here, I realize that's what I'm going to be fighting with for yeah. the week. The devil brings it almost instantly, and he'll use anybody to do it, yeah. you know, to get you out of that peace that God wants. You want to talk about self righteousness? Self righteous spirit is going to come following you around all day to try and get you to glory and self. I mean, it's like one battle after another. But yeah, don't know, know that the devil's paying attention. That's for sure. So he said in verse 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh uh, for us uh, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So what we're going to suffer in this life, you know, is nothing compared to what God is going to give. Because I think that those who really will appreciate heaven of those who have given it to Christ. Another thing Ian Thomas said, that this is so true, he said that, you know, your heavenly life doesn't begin when you get to heaven. That's just along the journey. That's the end result of what happens, but it begins here on earth. If we're not living the godly life of Christ now, I guarantee, and you don't desire to, you're not going to like heaven. Heaven is going to feel like hell to you. If you don't like to read God's word now, what do you think is going to go on in heaven? If you don't like to praise and worship God now, what do you think is going to take place in heaven? That's why it's so important that we cling to Christ, because we all got our ideas of what a Christian is. We all got our ideas of what heaven is like. But I guarantee you, if you're a wretched sinner, you will not like heaven. It would be a disservice to you to be there because you didn't even want the presence of God here. Yeah, bro. There was this old lady uh, at this worship service, and she was complaining to the worship leader because they worshiped for a long time. She was like, guys, the worship is just a little long today. And the worship leader responds and says, yeah, well, you better get used to it because that's all we're going to do in heaven. That's right. <laughs> and there ain't going to be any worship of you or the kind of music you like. We're going to all be throwing down our crowns and falling down before Jesus yeah. saying, worthy is the Lamb. Yeah. He is the prize. That's right. He is the prize. So if we're in this thing for any other reason outside of Jesus, man, we missed a treasure by 100 miles. Look at verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And you know what? That's another treasure that the Lord wants to share with us is what's behind the veil. 
He wants you to have spiritual experiences. He wants to show you visions. He wants to give you dreams. Pastor Price mentioned one night that the Lord showed him the, the battle of David and Goliath. He said the Lord showed them what they look like. It must have been something he prayed about or he desired, but he said the Lord showed them exactly what they look like. Hey, I know what I want, you know? I mean, I'll share with the Lord, but man, I just want to be, man, when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, man, that's what I want, that vision. I wish I could have been a fly just passing by to hear what was saying and to hear our Lord withstand the enemy and put him in his place like the dirty dog that he is. If I could pray for anything at all, I mean, well, I want to go to heaven. I mean, I want to be with the Lord too. But the thing is, is man, if I could just see one demonstration that occurred here on this, on this earth, that would have been it. To watch our Lord put the devil in his place, that he had no authority over him. The 40-day temptation is what I would have wanted to see, to know how great, well, I already know our God is great, but just to see him in action, man, to deny his flesh and to be totally obedient to the Father. That's the one thing that I wish that I could see. Yeah, I, I thought you were talking about the second time he actually put the devil into place. Oh, yeah. Disarmed no. him of all his oh, yeah. authorities, Colossians 3 mm-hmm. on the cross. Oh, yeah. That's, that's Nailing it all to yeah. the cross. Oh, yeah. you know, think about it. Heaven mm-hmm. was looking, mm-hmm. earth was looking, and hell was looking. Mm-hmm. And everybody, that was like, that was a spectacle all mm-hmm. at once. Mm-hmm. You know, we just think it was just some, like, oh, yeah. On the, on oh, the yeah. That no one was solid. Hey, Amen. That's right. The witness that Jesus did was not just for us. It was for the angels and the devil accusing him. I totally believe that, that the devil probably wondered, why do we have to follow him? He's not worthy. And the father said, I'm going to show you that he is. And then some. that's a beautiful thing because it even says that Jesus broke into the earth and he went into the grave. He went into hell and, and, and had those spirits as subject to him. He grabbed the keys of death and hell. The only reason I wouldn't pray for that is because maybe I don't want to see what hell looks like. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm not spiritually strong enough to know what that's like, you know, but praise the Lord. So you see the things which are not seen are are the eternal things. And that's what we should be seeking. What's behind the veil. Um, I do want to go to one more scripture, but I do want to play this with um, Ian Thomas. It's just a quick five minutes. And I'll go into the last scripture of the night, and then from there we can close. I mean, there was an earthquake, and then the veil, the nine-inch thick veil was broken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would have been crazy. That would have been something, man. But I wouldn't have wanted to see his crucifixion because crazy me, I would have tried to help him out and ended up on the cross, you know, or whatever. But, yeah. Yeah, our Lord, is he's awesome, man. And if we don't see the treasure in him, we're gonna miss it. And he was still ministering mm-hmm. to the uh, robber, the thief on the cross. He's like yeah, in the middle of his death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let me play this real quick. This is called "Salvation" by Major Ian Thomas. This is just uh, five minutes, I believe. Salvation, of course, derives from the fact that as a redeemed sinner, 
end on the way to hell, but already on the way to heaven, Jesus Christ as God, creator, has come to invade your humanity to play that role in you for which you were created. To give him the right 24 hours a day in your business, in your home, in your school, in your college campus, where you're on recreation, in vacation, in business, no matter, at any time, on any circumstance, 24 hours in every day, seven days in every week, you give Jesus Christ as God the right to be God in you without reserve. That's what it means to become a Christian. We've conveniently reduced salvation to a moment in time when we raise a hand, walk down the front, or get baptized, or have our name put upon a church roll, and we call that salvation. Nothing, of course, is farther from the truth. That's totally divorced from the revelation given to us in the Word of God, which is our sole guide in every matter of faith. Salvation involves the reoccupation by God of a guilty sinner in such a way that Jesus Christ has the unchallenged, absolute, perpetual right to dictate the terms whereby that individual henceforth will run his life. For instance, where he's going to buy his new home, what uh, vocation he's going to study for as a student, where he's going to go next year on vacation, how he's actually going to spend his money, uh, who's really going to run the church that he goes to. All this is embraced in his salvation. And nothing less than that, of course, will do. Anything less than that shortchanges Jesus Christ and keeps him of that for which his blood will shed. And of course, if I'm to discover what the Christian life is all, all about, there's really only one person to whom I can turn. There's only one person that's ever been capable of living the Christian life since Adam fell, Jesus Christ. So that now he, risen from the dead, might come and perpetuate the life that he lived then in us now. So the Christian life, of course, is the life that Jesus Christ lived then, lived now by him in us. There is no other. In other words, God to a man is as imperative as oil is to a lamp. If you have an oil lamp that's got no oil, you've got an oil lamp that won't behave like that. You might as well put it in the trash can. And of course, if you detach man from God, which is exactly what happened when Adam fell into sin, you've still got a man in your hand. But he won't behave like that. The only thing you can do, the only thing that you can do for an oil lamp that hasn't got oil is put oil in it. And the only thing you can do for a car that hasn't got gas is to put gas in it. And the only thing you can do for a man that hasn't got gone is to put God. And when you put the oil in the lamp, it isn't so the lamp can try hard. And when through spiritual new birth, God gets back into the man, it isn't that the man might try hard. You put oil in a lamp so the oil can be oil, functional. You put gas in a car so the gas can be gas, functional. And you put God in the man so that God can be God, functional. In other words, spiritual new birth is designed to let God be God in a man's human experience. So that everybody in that man's presence recognizes that God is in residence and God is in business. But it takes God, actually God himself, not what God has to say, not God's example, not God's precepts, not God as a faraway object of our emulation or worship. It takes God himself in a man, to be a man. And that's why we shall discover it will take Jesus Christ, not his teachings, not his preaching, not his sublime example, not the beautiful life that he lived, not the doctrines that he promulgated. It will take Jesus Christ himself, a person, to be a Christian. The Lord Jesus died upon the cross, not just to get you out of heaven and into heaven, he died upon the cross to get God out of heaven into you. 
actively calling the shots, actively controlling what you do with your hands, actively controlling where you go with your feet, actively controlling what you say with your lips, actively controlling what you think with your mind, actively controlling the decisions that you make. That is the measure what you're saying. So that any man being Christ, he's actually literally a new creation. He's been made over. He's a new creature. All things of a characteristic of the old Adamic character have passed away, and all things, the old things which the next verse tells us there in that passage come from God, the old things have replaced the old things. All things have passed away, and all things have become new. see his message is the same and i had to trust god with that when i never even heard that when that's what the lord told me to play so i played you know i don't know what he was going to say on there but praise the lord so you know this is uh, let's look at revelation 14 i mean revelation 3 and we're closing from there just a couple of short lines sorry to hold you guys we started a little late tonight that lord is awesome Uh, three, and let's look at verse 14. This is the church of Laodicea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. This is uh, Revelation uh, 3. Look at verse 14. He says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. That's Jesus. He says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. One thing I want to bring to attention here is, the very fact that the Lord tells every church, I know your works. You know what that means? You can't pull a fast one on God. We've got to be upfront with what's in us so that he can work with us. But the word lukewarm, you know, do we know what it is to really be hot and fervent for Christ? Because as you can see, lukewarm is kind of like gold that's not pure. You know, gold full of impurities. You want to be turned up to the place that you commit to either one side or the other. What, what makes us lukewarm? We don't see the treasure that the Lord has placed before us. When we recognize what the treasure is, there's no decision at all. That's why Elijah said, how long halt you between two opinions? If God be bailed, then follow him. But if not, then follow God. But there's no in-between here. So we've got to get to the place of connecting with the Lord, spending time with him, that we won't be lukewarm. Our thoughts will be the thoughts of Christ. And that's what we want. Because when our minds become renewed in him, we're going to see what he sees. So he says because they're lukewarm. Lukewarm people don't make it. People uncommitted to either side don't make it. He spews them out of his mouth, like out of his body. He doesn't want anything to do. He even said, I would rather you be cold or hot. You know, so at least if you're an enemy, then I can, you know, work with you as an enemy that you may find me. But if you're if you're hot, then okay. But the fact that you're jumping back and forth requires a lot of forgiveness, a lot of frustration of grace, 
a lot of wasting God's time instead of giving it to him to let God work. Now, God is patient. His mercy endures forever. I'm not speaking about that. But when will we get to the place of committing to God? And you know when that's going to come? When we give it to God, when we see the treasure that he is, when we seek after pure gold and not that which glitters. Look at verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods. You see this person believes they got it all and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You can't see, okay, the truth. You've got no God covering you. And he says, you're wretched. You think you're clean, but you're not. Okay, look at his solution in verse 18. He says, I counsel thee, the Lord is speaking to them to buy from him what? Gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment uh, and that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear to anoint thine eyes with thyself that thou mayest see. Jesus Christ is the gold. He's been tried. You can rest in Christ. Why? Because he didn't just talk it. He didn't just give you ideas. He, he lived it every moment of his life. He, he suffered every temptation that you and I had. You think that you're the first one to get a job offer that was against God? The devil offered Jesus all the kingdoms in a moment in time. So you see, whatever temptation we suffered, he suffered greater because it was given to him. But the problem is, I mean, but the situation was he knew that the true treasure was in his father, as we must know that the true treasure is in Christ. Okay, so he says, you know, clean out them eyes so that you can see, you know, look at verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore and repent. We talked about repentance, how God wants us to turn away from that which is unrighteous, have true godly sorrow and desire God as the treasure. Verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. So the Lord is waiting for us. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. This is a lot greater than just spending time, you know, uh, with dinner and your Bible on the table. Okay, this is talking about behind the veil. This is talking about intimacy with God. This is talking about seeking his face, that God will sup with you. That means you two will be one. Look at verse 21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and have sat down at my father in his throne or with my father. So as Jesus had overcome, because this promise is to overcomers. So to overcome means something's got you down and you eventually get leverage to where you flip them over. And now whatever was on top of you is beneath you. This is what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to fall victim to the snares of the devil. He wants us to be overcomers, just like he overcame and how he's sitting with his father is how Christ wants us to sit with him. What greater treasure is there than that? Man, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. So I just wanna tell people, you know, Hopefully we've got some understanding tonight that Jesus Christ is everything. If there's anything that we think that we lack when we have him, 
then we better look again and meet the real Jesus because he's everything that we need. But we've got to settle that in our hearts and our minds. I just want to tell people too, if you know you're not saved and nobody knows this more than you, you can give your life to Christ today. You first have to repent. Turn from your wickedness. Believe on the name of Jesus Christ. Believe that he died for your sins and accept his gift of salvation. When you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. He says here in this passage that he's sitting at the door and he's knocking. If you open the door, then Christ will let you in. You know, repent of your sins. Give it to him. Believe on him. Get baptized. Ask the Lord for his spirit and you can walk with Christ and discover him in a relationship as the true treasure, because everything that glitters is not gold, but the true gold is in Christ. So Sarah's got, Sarah has nothing to present tonight, okay. So I guess guys, we can actually close out in prayer. Let's pray up. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody wanna pray tonight? All right, Brother Sam. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence here. Thank you, Lord. Two of them are gathered that my presence is here. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Father, that your spirit resides in us, Father. Your spirit is, you, you, you cleanse us to the point that your spirit can reside in us, Father. Yes, Lord. So thank you for that, Father. We just, we thank you. When we were just, we just, we just pray, Father, that you would kind of pure hearts, Father. We don't want your spirit to depart from us, Thank you, Lord. We never want your spirit to leave us. Yes, so we just pray, Father, that our desire, Father, can be set aside, Lord, and that we can, uh, we can be humble, Father. We can be humble, and we can rely on your spirit, your spirit. Thank you, Lord. And that uh, just like this, Jacob's hip was, you know, locked out of sockets or demons. Rely on your spirit, Father, that can go farther. Yes, we rely on you, Lord. Not in your spirit, Father, that you're everywhere, every time, Lord. That your spirit can do that for us. And it's not only relying on Jesus, but it's an access to every morning, every night, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, pray for my brothers and sisters. Just have courage, Father. Pray for the hearts, Father. Strength and courage, Father, to be really deep into that world. Yes, Lord. Allowing Father to, to, to move that present on the angels now. Yes, yes Lord. And uh, our courage is praying for that, Father, that the provision, you already sent the provision for you, ask them to do what you need us to do. You, the provision is already yes, waiting for us. We're not waiting for the provision yet. You already provided what needs to be provided. Thank you. 
Trust you, Father, that everything you do has an effect, has a butterfly effect. 
thousands of years. Yes, Lord. Bless you. I'm grateful for Yes, Lord. Uh, yeah, we just, just pray for just obedience, Father, for this um, Wednesday, Father's homeless. Just, yes, just Lord. Father, we pray for obedience, Father. We pray for your spirit to, to guide us, Father, to yes, for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you Father. But to let, us, let us just be in your strife, Father. Let us be in your strength, Father. Let us be right behind you, Father. Take all the drag and all the opposition of the enemy, Father. And let us just walk so slow, Lord, that it just it, it looks effortless, Father. Let us just yes, be smooth in you, Father. Let us speak where we need to speak. Let us be on time where we need to be on time. Anyone that wants to kick us out or kick on us out, let, let us just be right on time. It just comes right before yes, us. Lord, yes. Let every seed that we plant, Father, be on good soil. Every word that we say be on listening to us, Father. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father, we just break. Father, we just thank you that you go before us and you break any aim plan. You are you. Yes, you Lord. just till the ground for us. Thank you, Lord. Yes, you will. That's what you wish everyone was saved. So why would you make it all for us to do you? Yes, Lord. So we just receive your word. We receive that word. We just pray that we can be as a group and one mind and one spirit. Yes, Lord. One accord with the Lord. Yes, Lord. Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So, you know, that's going to wrap it up for this week, guys. I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com. Of course, there's no real ministry except that which is of Jesus Christ. So, um, don't forsake your prayer closet. Spend time with the Lord, guys. This is no time to turn away from the Lord, you know, and have that plate turned over from time to time to draw close. So uh, I'll see you guys next week. Till then, have a good night.